Hello, everyone. I am Dana Alvarenga, the Vice President of Customer Experience at Slap 5. And I am Kaylee Basket, and I'm the Director of Revenue Growth at Slap 5. And this is Customer X Therapy, where we invite you to take a seat on our virtual couch and tell us what's on your mind. Whether you need some guidance or want to offer therapy to your fellow Customer X pros, we are here to listen. So, all right, everyone, uh, this is our latest Customer X Therapy podcast episode. And uh, today, Kaylee and I are joined with Jennifer Sazinski. She is the Global Customer Advocacy and Experience Manager at Talia. And we would love to uh, have you give a quick introduce- introduction, Jennifer, a quick hello of who you are, what you're about, and, and then we'll kick off the uh, topic of the show. Perfect. Thank you both for having me. Um, so like Dana said, my name is Jennifer Sazinski. I am at Talia, where I am going to build and lead out their customer advocacy program, um, which is super exciting because I get to build something from the ground up. Thanks and, and welcome, Jennifer. We're excited to have you here. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so on LinkedIn, you talk a lot about telling stories and being human, and we are also big believers in the importance of bringing authenticity into the B2B world. Advocacy and marketing and sales and customer success, you know, really any customer-facing side of the business. So how do you put this into practice with your advocacy approach? So I think for me, I've always found the better human connection I make with the customers, just the more genuine our relationships grow. So they'd never feel forced. They always put me in a position where I truly feel I can help set them up for better success. And I don't just mean with my product. I'm interested in our customers from a personal level, as well as how can I help them be more successful in their space and industry to further the value that I can bring? You know, all of our customers buy a product and they pay for that. But I really think customer advocacy comes into play and it's what is the value that you can bring your customers on top of that? Um, One of my favorite things that's happened over the last three weeks is three of my past advocates have all gotten jobs at companies that they didn't think that they would get jobs from. And part of some of the reasons that they got jobs was because of the thought leadership that they did within my program, which I know I didn't get them the job, but it's nice to feel like I had a slice of that pizza. Absolutely. That's, you know, super aligned with the way that we think about advocacy as a two-way exchange of value. And so how are you able to scale that type of approach where you have the time to create those one-on-one relationships with clients? Uh, we tend you know, single person bands in the customer marketing space who are trying to sort of do it all. So would love to hear any insights that you have around scaling that approach. So I think being organized is a major factor in this. Um, you know, 
being able to scale, ideally you need to have a platform to do that. If you're building the right challenges and asking the right meaningful questions, that helps a lot. Um, so don't ask a bunch of random questions. I would rather ask three powerful questions than ask a bunch of questions. Um, really being prescriptive about who I go to at the right time. So if I see a customer is more engaged in the environment, um, whether it's discussion boards or challenges or me personally on my, my work email, I will strike while the, while the iron is hot. Because if they're engaging with me now, that's when I need to engage with them. Um, making my kind of expectations on myself clear to them that I'm here to provide you extra value. It's not just from a product perspective. I want to get to know you as a person. I want to help you if you want to be a thought leader and you want to expand your network. I'm here to help you do that. What swim lane do you want to be in? So finding out all of those little tidbits of information and it doesn't happen overnight. Um, my favorite question that I get asked, I mentor about 15 people in this space and they'll always ask me, how quick will I have a bunch of advocates? Nobody has the answer to that question because you have to deal with every advocate in their own time. Some people will be really quick advocates because they're used to speaking publicly, etc. Some advocates will take much longer, um, but you just have to find out where is their correct swim lane and then help them grow and evolve so that they can move out of that swim lane and into another swim lane. Um, so yeah, I'd say organization, take your time, really think about the information that you not just want out of them, but also what are you gonna do with that information? Because that's a really another key piece of the puzzle. If you collect a bunch of information from your customers and you never do anything with it, they'll stop giving you information, which is really That's sad huge. because that is the downfall to programs. I love it. I, I love your analogies that you're throwing in here too, Jennifer, the swim lanes, the slice, slice of pizza. Um, I'm loving it. And, and you're spot on with asking the right things. Um, so you're not one overusing those advocates, but you're getting that right piece of content that can, or that right, just ask that that can be delivered for that right moment. Um, if you ask too many times for specific um, kind of small, maybe not even un unnecessary tasks um, for advocates, then you have a big ask where there's an in-person event maybe or a webinar and they're like, sorry, I've done a bunch of stuff for you. I, I, I can't help now. Um, it, it's really prioritizing. The other thing too is keeping in touch with them on a regular basis also helps you yeah. because if you have an ask coming up and you know, say, you know, historically I've been in the tech space, um, you know, you know, they're doing a massive deployment. If I know that, I know they're not somebody that I should be asking right now to do anything for us. Um, so I think keeping in contact with your customers on a regular basis and spot checking with them is also really important. Is that also aligning yourself internally with other teams? So yes, you're staying in contact with the customers, but how is your relationship internally with other customer facing teams in that partnership? What does that look like? 
So historically, um, there has not been that level, um, but current company, um, Talia does have a very strong customer success team. So ideally, I am, I see my position needs to work with every single team that touches the customer, whether it's customer success, product management, product marketing, um, support, engineering, we all need to be in communication. I need something from each one of those teams to make sure that I can build a robust program. So I do envision as we move forward, I should be and hopefully will be lockstep with our customer success team. We offer two different offerings to the customers. So it's a collaboration between the two of us to make sure that full funnel, our customers are getting the best experience that they can get. Um, and I think that comes down to really taking the time to educate people. So one of the first things I did when I signed on to Talia, um, you're probably gonna laugh at me, I built an educational deck because I went in knowing that they did not have a program like this. So it was gonna be new to a lot of the internal teams so let's game, build the deck so that when I started having conversations, there was that foundation that I could educate them saying, this is what customer advocacy is, and this is what customer marketing is. Because I think that there's a very clear distinction. Um, I think customer advocacy is what additional value can you bring them? And in the simplest of terms, customer marketing is all the stuff that's tied to ROI for your company. Um, so that was really important for me to get that deck up and running. Um, as I move forward, you know, I, we're vetting platforms right now and kind of putting those pieces together. I will start working on a playbook probably early next week so that when we get to the point where we launch, we have these materials that give our internal teams the confidence in a program like this. So it's, it's exciting to build something from the ground up, but it, it is constant education. And I am very well aware that the education never stops. Yes. Good point. And, and I come from that same space. I, I love, love building things from the ground up, done it at, at a couple of organizations and you're spot on. And if you're, you're open to it, either unbranding any, any internal company information, I'm sure our audience would love to be able to reach out to you to see if they could see what this educational um, deck is, because it is a struggle that I think some folks getting into the customer marketing space or starting new programs, um, it is. It, it, the education never stops, but it it also is a roadblock sometimes of programs getting off the ground and or programs succeeding. I do have a very generic um, deck that I use awesome. with the people that I mentor, because when you're mentoring somebody, they're normally when I mentor somebody, they're just starting out. So it is important to, I feel it's important to give them that solid base that they can then take and put their spin on it. Um, it's really great. One of the girls that used to work under me, um, she has gone to a new company and I was completely chuffed because she told me she was going to start an advocacy community. And it's a really great feeling to know that somebody came into the space that had never been into the space and through working with you, they found the desire to, 
to go to another company. And even though advocacy wasn't in their job description, they weaved it in. Um, so yeah, I'm more That's than awesome. happy to share. That's great. And, and kind of just closing the loop on your, what you're doing with your new role and, and talking about being a mentor and um, I'd love to learn. We didn't talk about this at the beginning. How did you actually get into the customer marketing, customer advocacy space? And, and how do you, how do you see it's changed from then till now? We would love to hear your, your experience and your backstory. So I know I didn't, it wasn't a plan to come into this space. Um, I was at a company called Simplivity and they were acquired. I was marketing ops and HP wasn't going to need a marketing ops person. So I made the shift to customer advocacy and took over our program. Um, had to go and pitch it. I, they, they took it on uh, and the rest was history. Went in, built out some other programs and some really great initiatives and just realized like, I honestly cannot imagine doing something else. Um, even when I get support, you know, that dreaded email in the middle of the night and you wake up and you just happen to look at your phone and see, oh my God, there's a customer that has a massive support issue. It's three o'clock in the morning, I slowly creep out of my bedroom and down the stairs and get onto my computer. And I'm like, all right, we can deal with this. It's going to be okay. I honestly think that this is the best position, definitely in marketing, but I might even say that it's the best position in the company. I, I mean, I'd love to get the CEO's salary, but that's not going to happen. But I think it's a different relationship because customers know I don't make commission. Customers know as they get to know me that I genuinely want what's best for them. And even when it's not in my air quoting job description, I will get them to the person that can help them best. So I really do feel like it's a different level of relationship. It's a different level of respect. And I can honestly say, even this morning, so I've been in my role at Talia for a month and a half. Um, you know, I'm very disconnected from my historic program because I'm not at the company anymore. But this morning I've had four conversations with previous customers. You build relationships that will outlast any company that you're at. And it's a glorious thing. And one of the people this morning, his wife is pregnant and I get like weekly updates about how things are going. And, but it really just makes me take a step back and say, Yes, there are some people that say it's silly to be so human with these customers. They're just customers. They could churn. But the beautiful thing is we are actually friends. He considers me a friend. I consider him a friend. Um, so I think that, yeah, this is the, the best role that I could ever hope for in a corporate company. How I've seen the industry change. Well, it's definitely gotten a lot bigger. Um, it's exciting yeah, to see <laughs> new programs come up. I think that one thing that I really enjoy is these new programs that come up and all these new initiatives. I'm an outside of the box thinker. So I thrive in this. I don't like doing the same thing over and over again. So talking to all these people, um, it really pushes me to try new things. Um, I actually have a user group and 
there's a gentleman in my user group and, and he was fairly shy in the beginning. And I gave him some ideas that he then went to go put into play into his community. And it's just great when he sends me an email saying, hey, remember we talked about this? I had my first event. Um, so just seeing the people now that are coming into this space and the passion that they have, um, when they actually put stuff into play and they're so proud of themselves and you feel like, hey, I had a little part of that. I think it just drives people that have been in the industry and in this space to do it to do it more. I want a bunch of other people to succeed. Um, you know, and sometimes I will admit sometimes I'll I'll kind of nudge and push a little bit because I want people to go out outside of their comfort zones. Because I feel like when they go out of their comfort zones and they find success, they're so they're so much prouder of themselves. And that's a great thing. Um it will I think it will be interesting to see where the industry is in a year especially after COVID, because I feel like during the COVID time, we're not completely out of it yet, but I do feel like a lot of companies spun up communities because they had no choice. So it'll be interesting to see maybe in a year, like how many of those communities are still up and running? How many are still super successful? Um, and then what happens when you know, you have clients that are in multiple communities. Wh who's the winner? Because not every company is going to be the winner, which is a little scary. I think that that's most scary for like the big tech companies. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, advocacy did, I think, explode in the last even 18 months just for the mere fact of you needed to be able to get to your customers where they were essentially and um, engage with them and customers renewing and customers being happy was more of a priority and was a bigger driver than new, new logo sales because some companies weren't purchasing. So it was making sure the customers that you did have were happy and were staying um, is what a lot of companies saw. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more about people being more loyal to you as an individual than necessarily the brands. I mean, that's just human nature. And I that companies are finally kind of starting to recognize that that is the case. And, you know, we also have a community of professionals in this space and we find all the time that when they transition organizations, they still want to you know, be involved in the community and work with us. And so it's a really, you know, it puts you in a really, I think, um, but also powerful position um, to be able to continue those relationships. His career is evolving and growing. I also think when I would like to think that I am in a position where if our customers that have worked with me do hit a road bump or a snag with our company, they're going to be more likely to take that step back and internally say, listen, I'm part of this program at this company. And honestly, they go above and beyond for us. Don't just throw out for an RFP. 
let's work this out with them because we have been clients of theirs for a long time. So I do feel like that comes into play. I mean, I know it's come into play for me over a dozen times in the past. I'm hoping that I can create these new relationships at Talia with customers and, and I can help in that way as well. Obviously, nobody wants that to happen, but I do think that this is a unique role that that will play into that factor when it's needed. So how are you thinking that you'll introduce your program to clients, given your introduction about when you first got on board at your new company, I have a feeling it will involve a lot of education, um, but I'm curious, you know, what are some of the specifics around how you really enlighten the potential as to the value they're going to receive from the program? Yeah, so I think it's, you know, once we get to a point where we are ready to launch a community, um, you know, while we're in that phase, it's really looking at the customer base, who is, who, who right group to get invited to the community from from the get go. Um, I'm a strong believer in slow and steady wins the race. Um, I would be much happier if we picked, say, 50 people to join, um, really get them into the environment, have it set up for really, you know, a discover and nurture heavy experience. Um, obviously, as they move down the funnel, mobilization and motivation comes into play for me. Um, but really taking that time to get to know that base and then slowly weaving in other customers so that solid relationships can be formed. You know, I was speaking to somebody and they mentioned that they just launched their community and they invited 9,000 people. And I was like having heart wow. palpitations because I was like, okay, even number. it's a very large number. And even if say 700 people joined, one person could not adequately handle that kind of mass coming in at once. I mean, is it great? Yes. But I think long-term, if you can't make that personal connection, um, I don't know how your engagement rate would be in three months. Um, so typically for me, as somebody comes in, they get a personal email from me. Um, and in that email at the sign off, I will say, you know, I'd love to give you a demo of the environment and set expectations from what you can expect from me. We'll hear from you what else I can provide you that would be of value. That's a really great first touch. And it's not one that they usually forget because I've automatically set the tone that I am not a robot, that I am a human being. And when they get on that call, and you just listen to them, even if they're doing a rant, and you just say, I'm really sorry that that's been ex your experience in the past. I've taken notes. I'm going to circle with some get back to you. You've already set yourself apart, and they already have a different respect for you. So I do 100% plan on still making sure that like what I build is very human. Um, like I said, I'd rather build it out 
in a timed out fashion so that I can make sure that I can be human with as many people as possible. Um, you know, the offer is always there for that live demo and conversation. Not everybody takes you up on it. Yes, that the people that take you up on it, they move down your funnel a lot quicker. Um, and I think for me, it will be really taking that step back and how do I build the fundamentals of my environment so it's organized, they're getting value from it, and but they don't feel overwhelmed at the same time. So I like to do, you know, channels with like-minded content so they know if I click into this, this is exactly what I'm going to see. If I'm going to do it, say I'm doing a Gartner Pair Insight Ask, it's not just the way you do a Gartner Pair Insight Ask. For me, it's a four-step challenge. What is Gartner Pair Insights? Why is it important? Here's some really great reviews that your pairs have done. Then I make the ask because my assumption is if they've done these three challenges and they've paid attention, by the time they get to my ask, they're going to write a more meaningful review. That's huge. And I don't think enough it is customer it's marketing professionals basic. do that. They just go right in for the jugular I just and, and so ask basic. for the review. You know, and it's the same with a reference call. It's collecting the data from the sales rep before the call to get the criteria that leads me to ask the right customer because I want the customer to walk away feeling like that was a really great conversation. I'd love to add that person to my network. So really gathering the information and setting them up for success. I would be horrified if a customer ever came back to me and said, I mean, Jen, I think the call went great, but it was like, I didn't enjoy that conversation. It was a waste of a half hour. So really, I tend to be more picky about who I asked for stuff, but it is for the good of the program and the good of really the relationship with the customer at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And since you're now starting from a blank slate, what are some of the criteria that you're using? To decide who is going to be an in this really high touch, you know, one to one relationship. How are you going about evaluating who to approach for for your initial, you know, group to bring in? Well, I do have some ideas. Um, I think that working with the customer success team is going to be key. Um, you know, from our end, there's a rating system, so it goes from green and then the middle slates um, all the way down to red. I think looking at who are the customers in green um, across the globe and starting there is probably the likely place to start. Um, you know, are there any strategic accounts where we feel if we provide that extra value, we potentially could uncover some advocates? I think that that's another really great place. Um, you know, working with the sales team that handles the renewals, you know, do we have customers that have renewed recently that we think it's going really good? There's been no issues. Let, let's get them into the program. But I think also it's level setting internally and letting them know that just because somebody joins this program doesn't mean that they're going to be a loud and proud advocate and you need to respect that. Maybe they'll be our internal champion at, at their company, and that's amazing, especially when you hit a road bump. Or maybe 
you know, their company legally doesn't let them talk about your product and your partnership in the public eye, but they can talk to analysts anonymously and they can work on white papers with you anonymously. So just setting internal people up to realize that there's so many different shades and ways people can be advocates for us. It's not always the loud and proud speaking at an event. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I'll look for, you know, the more customers where we know that they're happy. Um, it seems like the um, and then slowly build it out from there. I think it's really true. I have four pillars. Um, and one of my, my generic documents, but I think it, it, it you know, it's, and when I show my pillars to people, they're like, oh, I never thought about that. Yes, the person that takes a reference call and the person that is your chair at their at their company that is making sure that this renews with you, they are no less important to you. They are they are all equal. Um, and there are some times that people will start off and they're super shy and they're not your loud and proud advocates. And the more you work with them and the more you educate them about your product and the more confidence they have talking about it, they will flip, especially if you're bringing value to them. What's your overall advice for people in the customer marketing world? What, what, what would be your one, one takeaway of advice? One piece of advice for somebody coming into the space is don't be afraid to think outside of the box. Always be human and always follow your gut. My one piece of advice to customer marketing people, even when your back's up against the wall, always respect your customer first. That's awesome. And it's so true. It's so true. Um, and I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more with, with a lot of the, the insights you shared, Jennifer. Um, it was, it was awesome to, to meet you and, and talk with you. We're ending this session and we look forward to hosting the next guest on our couch. Feel free to submit a topic or apply to speak on the podcast on the Customer X Therapy podcast LinkedIn or on our website.